I got the party. Why is that important? The podcast is called Why is that important? Hey there, and welcome to Why Is That Important, where regular people come for interesting ideas and perhaps a little debate. I'm your host, Joe Wenger, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Martin. Hello, world. And each week we have the privilege of interviewing someone who has something they feel is important enough to talk about, and we'll take the time to discuss it, maybe even disagree on it. And so, Andrew, how's life? How's How are, are you doing today? Uh, well, there's... A number of things going on in my life. I dropped my kid off at daycare for the very first time today. Um, so that was interesting. Apparently he loved it, uh, which is great because I can't say the same for myself necessarily. Um, but other than that, fine. All right. That's good. I got to admit, I've been jamming um, on some of the some of Jeremy Flick's stuff from from last week. I really enjoyed the music. It's been... Uh, I'm actually getting I'm getting excited now for his for his album, even though we screwed up. You probably don't know this because you're never on Facebook, but I've been giving everybody the wrong for the last two weeks the wrong podcast link. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so everybody's been going to a page not found instead of to iTunes to actually listen to our stuff. But uh, yeah, I was excited for that, and it was it was fun to it it it's always nice to hear people that are really humble when it comes to music and actually are good. Um, we had a drummer at our at our old well at Missy's church current our old church, um, Tom Dimmer who's like yeah I'm okay and he starts playing and I'm like you're like a studio drummer you, it's ridiculous, so yeah there's that so yeah well, so Missy Missy Ross is our guest today um, Missy is probably one of the coolest people I know and I think my wife would agree uh, we actually just went camping with uh, their family um, all. Well, not all eight of them, seven eighths of them, um, this last weekend, and we survived, or they survived. I don't know which is which is which, but um, she and her husband Doug, who is a Canadian, or I guess or was Canadian because he's now here, but um, <laughs> have they've adopted six kids, and they both have done that while working, and uh, so today. Um, she's going to be talking to us about why she feels uh, that adoption is important. So welcome to the podcast, Missy. Thanks for having me, Joe and Andrew. Yeah. Um, so to, to kind of get us rolling, uh, let's just kind of give us maybe a little bit of background of you and Doug before you adopted your first child. Um, just kind of maybe what led up to you. Maybe if you have some some funny anecdotes of how you guys even met and then as you guys went into the process of, of – um, Deciding, you know, a family's important and then moving towards, uh, okay, I think adoption is the thing for us. Um, when graduated from physical therapy school and uh, moved to Wisconsin because I knew one person there. And I thought it'd be better to know one person than know peoples. And so Doug moved there the month before from Nova Scotia to work in a little town. And we were friends basically right away. And... Um, Eventually, he wore me down, and I agreed to marry him. <laughs> he might <laughs> so see that many, differently. How many people did Doug know in Wisconsin that caused him to move there? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, none. None. He got a job offer. Um, yeah. There was not a lot of work, and I think he would have had to move to Vancouver to get work, and um, and there was a lot more. For every one MRI in Canada at the time, there was 100 in the United States, so I... Uh, easy pickings here. So he took a job in Minnesota. They transferred him to the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, which is where we ended up working together for four years. And, um, well, actually we were there probably for more like six, but we were married for four, our first four out there. So we met and, um, 
we were just friends for a long time and we eventually got married. Um, and uh, we in- initially got pregnant right away and uh, miscarried that and got pregnant again and miscarried that. And then after that, that just kind of uh, started into a, a kind of a barren season, I guess, um, which ba- basically defines the rest of my um, fertility life. And uh, so um, we really struggled for a long time and uh, decided to go with plan B after uh, a year of infertility treatments that were unsuccessful. And we were promised uh, pretty much we, they'd be pretty successful because they could never find anything wrong with us. Uh, so um, we just headed down the adoption road and um, basically as a plan B because we wanted kids. Okay. So, so uh, sorry, I was thinking about the Vancouver part. I was like, so like he didn't want to go to Vancouver because it's like the ghetto of Canada. Well, you know, I'm not sure. It might not have been Vancouver. It could have been like Saskatchewan. I don't really know. You okay. know, it could have been somewhere very remote and you know, cold. <laughs> All right. So Canadian. Canadian, yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So, so you go ahead, Andrew. I was just gonna say. So, uh, how long? Was that process of coming to the, the the point where you were, you know, seriously contemplating adoption and willing to actually go that route? That's a good question. We were probably married. I bet it took three to four years before we we were kind of backed into that corner. Um, for, fertility treatments were extremely difficult for me um, physically. I was going to clinic twice a week probably, and it was very invasive, <laughs> very yeah. invasive for me and. Uh, um, very uncomfortable, and um, the the actual, it just kept getting more aggressive with the medications, and uh, r- the risk of having multiple pregnancies kept going up the longer we were in it. I mean, we got to the point where we were like, well, you could have six or eight. <laughs> we hope not, but chances are you might only have two, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I remember talking to my mom about, like, if we have eight at one time, could you help us? <laughs> She's like, yeah, we'll, we'll help you get through it. So, um but it, I so can't it kind of got a conversation. Oh yeah, it was it was scary, but you know we felt like what what else could you do? And so we never really had the um, uh, I'm not even sure what you call it anymore. Where they take the eggs out and you put them in cryo. Um, IVF in vitro. I, IVF. Yeah, we had yeah. a couple of artificial inseminations, but that was about as far as we got. But the medications was getting a little bit aggressive, and and it was really affecting me physically. Um, it wasn't. I was not feeling very well. So I basically got to the point where I asked Doug that you know we needed to stop. Um, and so we decided to adopt and, and it was a hard, um, that was a mentally a hard, uh, transition for us to make, especially for Doug. And, uh, then we, then we, ironically enough, we started thinking, well, if we have kids, if we adopt kids that look like us, I think that'd be okay. The irony of that is we have no kids that look anything like us. Um, yeah, we're a very white couple and our kids are not. So yeah, it's very interracial, intercultural family. So Describe like the the thought pattern as you're you're moving you're transitioning from okay like we we recognize now we can't have kids mm-hmm. um, to the point of of adoption like what what was kind of going through your minds during that time and I mean you talked about like the you know have kids that look like you like but mm-hmm. kind of take us through that that process yeah initially I remember thinking you know I could probably parent a kid that was you know white and and um, in, we'll we'll do our best, and you know. And I remember getting together with couples that had adopted. That was really what did it for us, and and just kind of that f- it fueled this fire of excitement in our in our hearts, knowing that well, hey, we we don't necessarily have to be able to have children biologically to be parents, and and so um, it 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 kind of got us excited. The whole process is um, 
fairly terrifying. Um, the, the agency kind of walks you through it, but really you're you're on your own. I mean, you're you're meeting with birth parents and you're talking to birth parents. And even at my f- first adoption, I ended up having to fly down to Texas um, several days before she was due and stay with her so I could take her to clinics because she was um, having a hard time getting rides. And I didn't know this woman really. Um, I, I uh, She was a wonderful person, um, but I didn't know her. And I'm sleeping in her guest room and um, and it could have been for months or for weeks. I mean, she was, uh, I think she was due three weeks uh, after I got there. And uh, two days later, she did actually go into the, to labor and had my first daughter. Um, so, uh, but it was a, it's really uncomfortable and there's really no way to prepare for it um, emotionally and it's stressful. And, but it was also very exciting. So that, that was kind of, uh, and then once we, and to kind of keep going on that line, once we got, Emma, when she was born, I was uh, amazed. I was actually in the delivery room. I never, never thought I would ever want to be there. She actually asked me if I would want to be there. And I was like, um, I don't think so. Or I, or, I'm thinking this in my head. I don't want to. But then I agreed to go in because she seemed like she wanted me there. And uh, best decision I ever made. It was, um, it was a really amazing moment to see her born. Um, and uh, I was just immediately blown away and in love with this kid. And and that's not always the experience when you adopt. Um, sometimes it does take time. That bonding is, and that I'm not sure if it, I've never had a child biologically, and um, you guys have, so maybe it's uh, always an instantaneous thing when you have a biological kid. Um, but when you adopt, sometimes that bonding isn't always immediate. Uh, I'm not sure if that makes sense or if you can relate to that. But for Emma, it was, and it kind of got Doug and I. Um, addicted to adoption almost immediately. And we realized that that was the course that we were supposed to take. So so I can certainly say from a father's standpoint, it is not immediate. Uh, definitely. Um, <laughs> like I, I tell people sometimes, like my wife knows it's her son because she gave birth to him. I know it's my son because my wife gave birth to him. And so it's <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I had to think about it. I had to be like, okay, this is my son. Like it, I didn't feel any different necessarily one moment before and one moment after, hmm. um, other than he was on the inside. Now he's on the outside. I'm sure he let his lungs work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it de- it definitely took you know effort to yeah to to bond with him. It wasn't effortless. Hmm. Now were you um, were you was that the only birth that you were a part of for the adoption, or was it, did you have any other similar experiences? That was the only birth I was present for. I did also have Maddie was also um, a day or two old when I got her from the hospital. Uh, other than that, they were Emma and Maddie were my only two newborns, but I was not present for Maddie's birth. So I'm curious how has how has the experience maybe maybe it hasn't, but uh, has it differed between each of the kids? I mean, I know your 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 numbers five and six. Um, you guys got them when they were a little bit older, but mm-hmm. um, how has how how would you describe those experiences? Are they kind of the same when, when the kid came, and or or they were all so different? Because um, uh, Miles, I mean, we we got Emma, and then almost immediately started this adoption to China, and that was supposed to be six to six months to a year, and it ended up being three and a half years, and it was just a lot of like, did we do the right thing? Almost like a um, I don't know, it's like a bitterness about like, you know, it, it kind of almost separated Doug and I a little bit because 
you know, it was kind of, he really wanted to go to China and I, I, I didn't care, but it turned out to be this kind of, it, it kind of held us back from other adoptions. People wouldn't deal with us because we were deal, going to China. So we were very frustrated and the process was knocked on a lot of doors. Um, so that whole adoption was kind of crazy. Um, and then you have the whole international part, which is always adds a very uncertain um, proponent, which is what happened. They're trying to kind of slow down on the adoptions. Um, very unusual. Dramatically, yeah, we were we were kind of got we got in on that China th- uh, adoption when it was really popular, and I, um, yeah, I was just reading in a really interesting article that said it, like in two thousand four there were something like twenty eight thousand international adoptions, and in like two thousand I think it was fourteen or fifteen was last year they had data for it, it was like fifty two hundred, so oh it's yeah, like, like one fifth of what it was. And, and know, ironically enough, most of those were probably special needs. Like when we when we were adopting from China, most of I would say most of the people that I knew were adopting healthy girls, and that's pretty much not happening anymore. So, um, and then Miles, uh, he came out of nowhere. He came out of the blue. He was uh, knocked on enough doors that um, he he was one of those that were responding. Um, and that was a just a I caught you know a, within a week we had him. It was I, I always say he was God's gift to us for not shooting a social worker because it was a pretty frustrating couple years. And um, and uh, and then um, Maddie, we tried to get our money back on that adoption because all these other adoptions kind of came through at once. And they were like, no, you got you to gotta keep going. We're not going to give your money back. And she just turned out to be a just a, the cherry on top, I think, of, of all our adoptions. And she's... Uh, and then the boys were um, out of foster care older, and that was a really interesting um, process. Uh, very difficult um, emotionally. Um, you know, financially, it was definitely the, the cheapest uh, option, but uh, we had quite a transition uh, for a couple years after we got them. So they were all extremely different, uh, you know, expense-wise, time-wise. Um, lot, they're all very consuming with paperwork, um, and then, of course, emotionally, I think they were pretty much different as well. It just it ran. We ran the gamut with all of them. It was, it was they're all very unique. It's like literally the poster, like the poster family for adoption. Like each one's kind of a little different story, yeah. and that's interesting. So, like, so when you went from like I've seen families were you know adopting or even fostering one kid, like it it just like obliterates their ability um, to function. You know what I mean? Like it's really hard for them. Um, so like what for you guys, when you, when you moved from one to the next to the next, like um, what was, what was going through your mind and your motivation to, to say, okay, I think we can, we can take on another or we can take mm-hmm. on another. Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, initially I, I say the first four we did for us, um, I don't know if it was, you know, God really led us through the whole thing. Uh, we started with Emma, like I said, really went well, went quickly. Then we started with Rachel, it was a total nightmare. Um, and in the process, we ended up getting miles out of the blue. And then we tried to get our money back for Maddie because we thought we were done. And, you know, just so gl- so grateful we didn't. Um, and that was a God thing because we probably, had they given us our money back, would have maybe stopped or at least stopped temporarily. Um, and then she was such a joy, like just um, probably of all the babies, the infants, she was the easiest one. And just we just had such a fun time with her. We're like, let's do it again, you know. And uh, <laughs> and we and we really only intended for a fifth. Uh, we wanted one more, 
one more boy because we had three girls and one boy. We thought it'd be kind of nice to get one more boy, and uh, then we were kind of presented with these uh, uh, these older brothers and uh, double or nothing, double or nothing. <laughs> and uh, initially we were like, oh no, thanks. And uh, then Doug basically said, um, you know, for us to say no would be selfish, and uh, these boys need a home, and we can do this, and so we did. And gender so, parity. Yeah. He wanted some allies. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my hockey team is not yeah. is not big enough. Yeah. So we did the first four for us, and the last two we felt were really, we were really called upon by God. We, we really felt like God was saying, like, this is who I want you to have. And um, just confirmed um, by my, my husband, who I tend to be the gas, and he tends to be the break in the adoption world. And uh, he was the one that was really committed to once once we decided to pursue these boys he he claimed them as you know his and he he went after it so that's that was kind of in my mind um a god thing i mean <laughs> i don't know i think it's harder for the men to accept uh, adoption and to keep moving forward than it is i think women just have a heart to nurture and to um take care of um hurting kids and so for me i i, I would probably have 13 kids in my home right now but yeah, Doug's kind of slowing me down a little bit now. So, <laughs> anyhow. So, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's uh, uh, maybe I should put it more work um, for Doug to to want to continue the adoption train, and it comes easier for you? Do you have any ideas there? Well, I I think that he's probably looking at it. Um, logistically from a realistic point of view um <laughs> i tend to be i tend to do it from the heart of it and it's um i i struggle with suffering and i struggle with with kids that need like i it's i just i'm a helper i guess i have a helper fixer kind of personality and doug's more like okay logistically we now have six kids we got to run to um soccer and piano and um and feed and 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 do their homework and help him and so he's kind of like uh we've got a lot of balls in the air can we really would it be fair to these kids to take on one more and um i kind of look at it more from the viewpoint of these kids had you know these kids didn't have much of a chance before we took them so you know we need to you know what we're doing is a hundred times better than what they would have had um, had we not adopted them and you know we can do more and you know God will give us the strength to get through another adoption and I, I do feel like that because I, I initially when we the more you you take on like I'm sure even with you guys you know you, you start with nothing it's just you and your wife and it's you know life is pretty smooth sailing um, and then all of a sudden you get a kid and you're not sleeping at night and then you get another kid and you're sleeping less and then you get another and you know and and you go camping and your kids aren't sleeping and <laughs> but then the years click by and all of a sudden you're just like you know you're enjoying it more you're um you're creating these experiences that your kids are really enjoying and versus you're just making them go through these i don't know god just gives you the grace to to overcome and and to and to get through and uh i can i tend to to know God's going to be faithful and Doug's, I think, more like, okay, but that's going to, you know, it's going to cost us and it's going to cost the family logistically. And I, I get where he's coming from. I think there's a definite balance there. And I am grateful for him because I probably would have a dozen kids at home. So, and I would be probably committed to some institution by now because <laughs> I'm pretty close right now sometimes. So what would you say has been like, uh, I don't know, some of the, the greatest lessons you've learned through the, the adoption process? 
start yesterday. Um, <laughs> because uh, I think I think really where people get hung up in adoption is I don't have the money. Um, you know, Doug and I never woke up and said, oh, we got a spare 25000 What should we do with it? A car or adopt? Well, let's adopt. You know, you just have to kind of, the money, the money is, uh, they want the money in, in, in pieces here and there. It's not like you have to write a check out for a large sum of money. And, and usually people are fairly supportive when they know you're adopting. And again, God's always been gracious and provided a lot of, uh, of our funds. And um, I've had, we, we both have had great jobs. And, we, and one of the blessings is we've learned to live a very simple life, which has turned out to be probably one of the biggest blessings of my life. Uh, we've had to really um, live simply to do this. And it's a lifestyle that we just kind of continued um, but yeah, you got to start, the, you got to start yesterday. Um, you got to put your head down, do the paperwork, get it done. Um, and, uh, you just have to trust God. It's a pretty, it, it can be a pretty overwhelming and fearful process, but there's so much, like the, the rewards are so much bigger than the cost of it. And I think people kind of get wrapped up in numbers. They get wrapped up in um, logistics of how am I going to take off work to to go internationally to pick up a child in Kenya or, or whatever. So um, anyhow, um, I think you just have to just uh, uh, go, go day by day, um, jump through your hoops and just trust God and, uh, and get it done. And it'll, it'll work out. It, it will. And the babysitting will work out and uh, the travel plans will work out. And, you know, we, we for a long time, we would kind of put things on hold because we thought we were adopting. And then another year would click by and we didn't have a, a, a baby. Um, so we just decided to start living life. And, um, and that's, that's really what I, I recommend is we just kind of put our head down, did what, did what we had to do, and then just kind of moved on. And uh, uh, But don't be intimidated by the numbers and don't be intimidated by of the process. You just got to do it. And it, and you will f- far, far be glad that you did. It's just an amazing process. And the, and the kids are amazing. So I think some people fear like, you know, maybe not in the beginning, but like later on in life, um, potential rejection, mm-hmm. um, you know, the kids wanting to meet their birth parents or something like that and finding out they're way cooler than you or something like that. So, I'm curious, how have you guys dealt with with that mm-hmm. one? Well, I mean, that's I, I'm not going to lie to you to say that um, I'm sure I, I have some pain coming down the road on this one. Um, you know, th- in my heart, these are my kids. Like, I don't, I, I say they're adopted, but they are 100% mine. Um, uh, but the reality of it is, they do have two sets of parents, and. Um, you know, some of my kids will never have the chance to meet their birth parents, like Rachel from an orphanage. She was abandoned, and she'll never be able to find her birth mom, but the other ones most likely will have the opportunity to do so. Um, you know, I'm I'm just going to – it's just one more, one more thing I'm going to have to work through, and um, I know it's coming, and uh, and I'm really grateful for what their birth parents did and because um, they, they really did – do the an amazing thing. I mean, they, man. I mean, they gave up these kids, and and most of them did it for the right reason. They did it so that these kids could have a better chance at life. And so, um, I'm pretty. As time goes on, I have a pretty good relationship with my kids. Like um, when we first got our boys from foster care, they were determined to find their birth parents. They told us that right away. When we are 18, we will, we will find our birth parents. And as our relationship has deepened and their security and trust in us has gotten um, deeper, they they don't really talk about that anymore. Um, they may down the road, but I think that um, 
I think that they're stable enough with us that um, I think that we'll always be home. And and I think just maybe to some degree they're they're always going to have that relationship. But I think we're always going to be mom and dad. And I'm um, that that's going to be probably a, a topic I'll have to um, I don't know get some moral support for read a few books for when I'm when my kids are in their late teens early twenties. But I think for now and you know, and we do actually have a few of the birth parents we do stay in touch with. So. Um, it's just, yeah, it'll be interesting, um, but I think I'll be okay. I'll, I'll make it through, and I, I'm very grateful for what they did, and I really do feel that our kids are um, very attached to us and will always be our kids. So I'm not sure I answered that um, no, politically correct or not. I mean, that's just <laughs> from the heart right there. So Well, and yeah, you're right. I mean, your kids, your oldest is 12, right? She's 12, uh, 13. Zach is my oldest now. Oh, we wow. adopted yeah, him. I know. Right. It's See, yeah, you guys. How old are are the the boys you adopted from foster care? They were seven and nine when we got them, and they're now thirteen and uh, eleven. I think gotcha. I think Emma Emma just always feels like the oldest, yeah, because she's. I mean, let's be honest. She's she's the most responsible. She is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's got first child syndrome. Probably. Well, and she was first child for I mean a long time. I mean, she was my first, and then we. I had to sit her down and say, it's, you know, we want to adopt these boys and you will no longer be the oldest and, but it's the right thing to do. And she was okay with it. So she's, st- she still claims her, her oldest girl spot. <laughs> it's a serious spot. And how well do they, I mean, because they're all adopted, like how, how does the interaction at home, you know? You know, it is, um, they wear adoption like a, a flag. They love, they, they love the fact that they're all adopted. Um, it gives them this unifying kind of, um, foundation uh they they we kind of turn heads like when we walk into a school or a restaurant i mean people actually think we're milton hershey school it's like no no we're not the milton hershey school we're just a family having dinner um but they've learned to actually really like that um they're very because we're so diverse and, and unique they they really are very proud of it and they each have their own story so they kind of um we talk very openly about birth families, about color, about, you know, we're, we're pretty open and we like to have a lot of fun with it. Um, so I think they really enjoy the fact that they're all adopted and we speak about it frequently and often. So, um, yeah, it's, it's become a really, um, a really great foundation, actually, something that um, I think they all really enjoy and uh, are proud of. Do you think it's a benefit to their bonding with each other that you don't have any biological children? Um, I, I do. I'm, I'm actually, I'm thankful at this point that we don't, I'm sure, I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's bad that we, that you don't, because I think there's a lot of um, people who have biological fam- biological families and adopted kids. Um, I'm not sure how they would manage that versus all adopted, because I don't have any biological kids, but I think it really has really helped to unify our family. Um, it's been really good. And I think it's also, I think it's also nice uh, for, for our family that they're all, they're all diverse eth- ethnically. We don't have any white kids, and I, and that's probably to our family's benefit. In fact, Doug and I, toward the end, were very, very specific to not adopt a white child because we didn't want it to be, you know, we get a lot of strange questions. We didn't want it to be a, oh, are those adopted and this is yours? And so we were very, you know, once we adopted two or three and they were um, different ethnicities, we just decided to stay on that path um, because we didn't, we didn't want people to think that we had had a um, you know, we didn't want the kids to be hurt by a, this is a yours versus adopted. So we were careful with that. And um, I'm very thankful. And, and not to say that I wouldn't. I mean, if there was a, 
a ch- white child that needed a home, I would absolutely take him uh, or her in a heartbeat. So if Doug let me. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's keeping the lid on that, huh? He is keeping the lid on that one. I don't know if I should congratulate him or tell him to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I could, well, I think that's why you probably get along so well with my wife because she's always the gas in the, uh, the gas pedal and everything in life. And I'm usually the brake and mm. the dream crusher. The dream crusher. Yeah. I love it. So, so it, we, we think, we think in uh, rooms of how ho- rooms and money and mouths to feed and not always in like, Hey, you know, maybe a little bit of faith in this is okay. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah. And I think that that's good. And that doesn't say that you guys don't have yeah. faith. I think it's just that you look at it from a logistic point of view and, and, but it does sometimes create a little tension, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you feel like, Oh, we're, we're letting another, poor orphan down you know <laughs> <laughs> and he's like no we have six yes we have six orphans it's okay <laughs> we've done our we've, we've taken care of our chunk yeah. yeah yeah so what has been like i know we kind of talked about the lessons you've learned but like maybe what has been maybe the hardest thing or the hardest lesson learned um for you guys over these last 12 years wow the hardest lesson learned with adoption yeah um I don't know if there's a lesson to learn. I think Doug and I are still trying to work. I mean, I, I really don't even honestly know if we're done. And that's kind of a, to to never know, like that, and the way that's good in a way it can be a little bit like, oh, you know, <laughs> um, what does God have up his sleeve for us later? Um, I think probably the hardest thing um, for me specifically is the fact that there is such a great need for adoption. And um and and it is just like you were saying. Let you know we've done our we've done our part, and we've actually Doug and I have actually had these conversations where he said to me, "We've done our part. Let someone else do it." But that's not happening, and that's for me. It's um, it is a really tough. Uh, it is really hard for me to grapple with that um, because there is just such a, a dire need for adoption in the world, and um, and it's just uh, that I wouldn't say I don't want to blame it on the church, but I think the church is probably should be the driving force behind adoption. And um, there's just a lot of kids that could use families um, and are aging out and aging out in these foreign countries. And even in the States is when they age out of the foster care system is a devastating, um, basically a devastating diagnosis for these guys. And uh, I, that is hard for me. I, I, I really struggle with how to handle that emotionally. And sometimes I think Doug ends up getting kind of the brunt of that because you know I can get a little bit frustrated at the the break being put on and uh, but I do feel that he is correct in doing it as well because sometimes right now I have a lot of balls in the air and when I really you know stop to think about all my balls I think can I throw one more ball up there and man that would be that would be hard so yeah he's probably right in what he's saying um it's just that it, it it the end result is a very frustrating thing for me so I was just thinking too, uh, never had this thought before, but you know, the fact that you guys have placed this as such an importance for your family and created this culture. I mean, you guys are like known as like the adoption family, which is is totally cool. I was thinking, you know, I think that's going to ring, ring true into your kids' lives, um, and beyond. And so you look at it from a multiplication standpoint, like even if Hmm. all of your kids just adopt two kids, you know, you've, you've doubled the amount, you know, actually, I guess you've tripled the amount of kids that have been adopted, but I don't know. It's just something no, that, that came to mind here. It's a great thought. Yeah. 
I will force them to adopt. Grandma wants to adopt pregnant, the grandkids. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's babies out there that could be adopted. <laughs> so make the case, make the argument to our listeners as to why adoption should be important in their lives. Um, I mean, if I'm gonna, well, first of all, if if, if you if you're having struggles getting pregnant and having ch- children biologically, you know, just rest assured that you can still f- have a fulfilling life as a parent. Not, I mean, I think I think sometimes we think that you can't possibly love an adopted kid like a biological child, and I don't have a biological child, so I guess honestly, I probably can't answer the question. But um, I love my kids, and I mean, even my I just got these boys out of foster care four years ago, and they are amazing kids, and I adore them. And everybody says I couldn't imagine life without those boys in your family, and I can't either. Um, really turned out to be just these fantastic. Fantastic kids. Um, uh, what was the question? Yeah, what was the question? <laughs> I totally got <laughs> make make the case. Oh, they are the case. I'm like, what was the question? I was just I get on, on the rabbit trail. Make the case for why to adopt. Um, I, I really f- um, I think from a the point of view is if if as a Christian and that's kind of where I have to take my stand is you know biblically speaking. There's there's a lot of things that a lot of things you have to consider, but I always like to land on in the verse that says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love love your neighbor as yourself." All the law and all the prophets fall under these two things. So I think if we're just loving God with everything we have and loving our neighbor well, then we're 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 doing a great job of of, of honoring God. And so, what does loving your neighbor well? Um, I mean, I like I like having parents. You know, I like having friends. I love having. Um, food every day. I like um, I like going to school. I love having an education. I like having a job. You know, I like eating diverse foods. I like, you know, being able to use indoor plumbing. And so to really love your neighbor, I think, um, means that we're taking care of them. And I, I think this is kind of a, a basic foundation of taking care of, of, of your neighbor is, yeah, it'd be great to have a set of parents. And I think that, um, again, um, this is a devastating outcome is to, to not have parents. And, and I, I just think how, how much God loves us and how he intends for these kids to have families. And in the pro the process is difficult, but it's, it's uh, something that can be done. And, um, I, and I always think, um, what it would be like if my kids hadn't been adopted. And that is such a motivating thing for me to, to think about if this, if this was me, if I was a, a mom who was dying and I had these kids and how would I feel that nobody would take care of them? And, um, if I, if I knew that it was going to be, um, Emma, my 12 year old raising the other five, uh, if, if, you know, cause this is the reality of some of these women in Africa who have HIV and their husbands have already passed on, they're, they're dying and these kids are being orphaned and they're hoping that the next door neighbor or the aunt will take them. And I, um, and I know that's an extreme case, but I mean, I really, even in foster care, I think, you know, that's a, a very local um, uh, program that we have. I, I just feel like it's a, a very, it's a very basic need that these kids have. And uh, um, I don't know, it creates a lot of suffering when we ignore that need. Hmm. I hate suffering. Did I mention that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think maybe I can interject here that there's a specific form of suffering that you're very attuned to and sensitive to, 
um, which is awesome. Um, frankly, uh, I don't see how to put this bluntly. I, uh, my wife and I have discussed adoption briefly, not, not in any great detail, but it's, um, I don't know. I guess I, I wonder if I'd be capable of doing it, um, in part because I feel like with biological children, they tend to have some of the same faults as their parents. And so, uh, the biological parents naturally have some experience with some of the things that children are going to go through, uh, which I, from my perspective, seems like it would be helpful. Um, so I don't know, but it seems really terrifying to be uh, adopting somebody who you have no idea what their personality could be like or no idea you know, the, the way they're going to see the world versus having some concept that, I mean, and this kind of comes back to the argument of nature versus nurture too, and mm-hmm. you know, that's probably its own separate podcast series. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I guess I feel like as a biological parent, I'm uniquely equipped to help them handle the world. And I fear that as a, uh, an adoptive parent, I don't know that I'd feel like I had those skills. I'm just curious what you would say to someone like me. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting. Cause I think I, I really honestly think that God has picked me of all the people in Palmyra to, to be an adoptive parent because I'm probably one of the most fearful people there are. And, and, and I've, it's, the process of adoption and, and parenting these kids has actually made me into a pretty brave person um, because I've had no choice but to face these fears. Um, the second part to that is I probably am one of the worst parents there possibly could be. I mean, I feel like <laughs> such an inadequate person to be parenting. And and I, I remember one day just being like, oh, God, why did you let me have these kids? I don't know what I'm doing. And then I thought, if well, if I can do it, gosh, what a testimony. Isn't that to like, if anybody can do it, if I can do it, you know, and that's kind of how I feel. I, um, you know, I don't feel like I was destined to be the best mom. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not the bravest person, but I've become brave and I've done an okay job with my kids. I mean, I, I think that's the, the, I mean, we can all t- list off all the faults of our parents growing up. I mean, I could, I could tell you, um, some of the really crazy things my parents did, um, but I had a great childhood and I had great parents. And I think that there's a lot of grace in parenting. And um, and um, I really feel that God can get you through these issues. And, and just like, a, you know, you can have a biological child that has some crazy medical disease. You can have an adopted child that has some crazy medical disease. And, and I do have quite the gamut of personalities in my home. And, I'm, and it's hard to say whether that's something I created or something they were born with. I mean, honestly. And so... Um, could be generational, could be spiritual. Um, I don't really know, but um, we're getting through it, and um, I, I'm trusting God on this one. I'm trusting that um, my kids are going to be okay um, because I'm praying for them, and I think that He's big enough to conquer any issues they have. Couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. So you need to adopt a baby. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, uh, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to happen today or yesterday, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Start yesterday. Hmm. Okay. Well, then I'm, I missed my chance, I guess. Okay. Well, there's always another yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'll think tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good one. I have to change. I have to change my uh, sentence there. Recent film. 
<laughs> start yesterday. And if you didn't, start today. Yeah, right, right. So I guess maybe, unless, Andrew, if you have anything else, any other questions, um, maybe, maybe like some kind of sum it up for us. Maybe... Maybe not specifically why adoption is important. I think we feel like, I feel like we've t- that's been kind of a theme running through. But you know, maybe recap um, people's biggest fears that you you know when you've talked to people. You know, talking about the money and, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Like, and and kind of kind of speak to those fears uh, and and how you've maybe overcome them, but mm-hmm. or or how you've seen others overcome them and um like speak like almost directly to them as if they were sitting in here yeah i'd have to i'd have to say that um it is a fearful process um you never know like especially when we got our last two boys we had to adopt them without ever meeting them and they were older and they had personalities i remember telling the attorney well they already have a personality what if they don't like me and you know she just kept reassuring me and i think we live in a, a world where we feel like we have control and we honestly don't. I mean, you, you put your kid on the bus and, and anything could happen at that point. Um, but we're never in control. I think we, we have this unrealistic um, perception of, of, yeah, at home, I can keep them safe. But that's, I mean, they can get, they can die from meningitis, which is the microscopic, you know, bacteria that, you know, it's like you, you just can't ever really protect them from anything. And I think God's grace is what gets us through every day. And we have to kind of almost come to terms with that and, and just know that the issues that do come up, um, whether it be financial or spiritual or emotional with these kids, um, you know, we can get through this. I recommend getting a good support group before you, you start adoption if you're serious about it. But um, I think that uh, that's kind of what helped me get, get through a lot of it in family. Um, but these are also issues you could have with a biological child. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the kind of just to, to, to not do it because you're afraid means you're, you're most likely just going to l- miss out on something. Um, I always have found that um, the fears were always uh, mostly unrealistic on our part, um, but that um, the end result of these adoptions has been absolutely fantastic, and um, the outcome out, outweighs the cost, so to speak, financially. Um, and and you know, you're investing in a soul for the rest of your life. I mean, people would spend twenty five thousand dollars on a car and not really think too much about it in 10 years that car is going to probably be in the dump and $25,000 might be the cost of an average adoption but you have a uh, child forever and you've invested in a soul and um, and that child I mean I tell my kids all the time I'm living in your basement when you're older (laughs) I spent my (laughs) retirement on you (laughs) I get everyone gets two months a year and then it breaks it up to six kids and I'm pretty well covered so um, I mean and so they're going to be there for us down the road is what I'm trying to say Um, so uh, and and yeah and they know it and I think they're you know excited about um, their future with us and um, so I think you know, I would really, I think that if you, if you work through your fears and you did it, I think you would be um, very um, excited and happy that you did. It'd be worth it. It's true. You don't hear too many people going, oh, man, I really wish I hadn't adopted. No, <laughs> you know, it's, no. It's, very few people say that. And, yeah. and honestly, maybe the people who do are, are people who need to have uh, a better support system. I mean, I mean, foster care can be tough, um, but 
not always. I, I've known people who've done it very successfully. So, yeah. All right. Well, if, if somebody's interested in, uh, in, in, you know, pursuing mm-hmm. adoption or even just gaining some more information or getting part of one of those groups, like what, what would be some places that they could start looking? I have found that one of the best resources um, that just if you don't even know where to start and you're like, I don't know if I should. It, it can be a little overwhelming whether you do international, domestic, open, closed adoption. Um, Focus on the Family has a great resource. Uh, I was on their website the other day, um, and uh, it's it's a really good resource uh, as far as if you're going to start. That's a place to go. It has a lot of references to books. Um, we also have uh, a friend of ours who runs uh, an adopt. They have they're actually adopting number eight and nine. Um, theirs are all international and they do special needs, but they're a great adoption resource. Uh, they would talk to anybody anytime about adoption. It'd be Ting Ministries, um, and they, I think they have a blog, Ting Ministries. Ting as T I N G. Yep. Okay. Yep. Ting T I N G Ministries, um, and they're uh, a great couple. Um, uh, they run this this ministry and. Uh, um, always willing to direct people and help people. So I think focus on the family would probably be the first resource I go to as far as just getting started. So. Very cool. All right, so we're going to shift gears here and move into the final question. So I've been thinking about this. What is the best place to take eight people, six adopted kids, to to go eat? Oh, to go <laughs> eat. Okay. Well, I mean, I hate to, hosses is always a good place because you know they can just do their own thing. But Doug hates hosses, so <laughs> what? I'm, I'm with him on that one. What is yeah. he Canadian? Oh, I know. He's just not impressed. Hosses is terrible. Really? But it's well, a buffet. Like you don't even have to. Like you just ignore them the but whole it's time. Not good know. food. All right. Well, you know they have. Salad but it's there. a lot of it. <laughs> quantity, it's a lot of not good quantity, food. Joe. Ugh. Ugh. I know that doesn't make me very central Pennsylvanian, but Haas's is. Oh, I guess we're never going to get dessert. You can get dessert for your main dish. How does that not <laughs> entice you? Well, <laughs> they would. The kids would probably pick T.J. Rockwell's. They they like T.J. Okay. Rockwell's. Um, All right. So. It's like, well, there goes our Haas's sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. we don't we don't eat out a lot. That's uh, we do a lot of Chinese take in. Sometimes that's our kind of big thing. So, okay. Yeah, but I would probably if I had to take them, I'd do uh, T.J. Rockwell's. Just get a big plate of rhino fries. There you go. TJ Rockwell's, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we have an eight-person adopted family and two hungry hosts. <laughs> that would, that would, would take your food. <laughs> Definitely. I do love me some TJ Rockwell's rhino fries. Cool. So well, can we do a follow-up interview with you in like 10 or 15 years? Yeah, that, would be be, that would be great. Yeah. Yes. Might, this might be fun for you to listen to in 10 or 15 years and just be like, oh my goodness, what I didn't even know. What I didn't <laughs> that was, know. That was before I adopted my last 13 children. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Oh. Back when it was just eight of us. <laughs> so cozy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, if, you, if you enjoyed listening to this, uh, I hope you did because I, I, this was so much fun. Um, uh, take a moment, uh, leave a comment, or rate us on your favorite podcast app. Um, you know, share it with some friends if you like it. Uh, and as always, we're looking for for guest suggestions and feedback. This we're still new at this, and you can email us uh, at contact at whyisthatimportant.com dot com or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Um, all of those things are great resources, and we will again we will be providing correct links from here on on the Facebook page for those that are subscribed there. So 
Well, thanks, Missy. This was a ton of fun. It was it was fun uh, fun to be able to hear your stories and just knowing your kids and knowing your family. It was, it's yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me.